Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference in El Paso, Texas, pastored by Paul Stevens. We pray these sermons are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you're turning with me to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 18. Uh, We've already had such a great beginning to our conference yesterday. We had two great services. Pastor Alex uh, Rodriguez preached last night, and uh, tonight here we are. We're so excited, great fellowship, seeing people. Uh, And now we're beginning now to get into the meat of what our conference is all about, and you've turned to Acts, uh, chapter 18. I want to also just underscore the announcement that Pastor made uh, about being in prayer. I appreciate fellowship and, uh, and getting together, but prayer meeting is a time to pray. So come at 8 o'clock to pray and get a hold of God. Do that first. Then maybe there'll be a little bit of time for fellowship before the morning seminars start uh, at 9 o'clock. But all of you need to have a burden that drives you into the prayer room to cry out to God. Because if we don't do that, there's no point in doing everything that we're doing this week. Amen. It really is a huge deal. And because I don't pay attention to the world of social media, it got past me, like a lot of things get past me. But it happened, and it rose to prominence, and it became a cultural phenomena that is literally transforming the entire world. And all of this happened without me being aware that it was happening. I'm talking about the rise of what are called influencers. Renee and I were at the airport in Phoenix last October, um, and I saw a young person with a T-shirt that said influencer on it. And I kind of wondered what, that's weird, I thought. And then we walked around a little bit more, getting to our gate, and I saw another young person. Uh, Not the same T-shirt, it was a different one, and the word was written differently, but it was influencer. So I wondered, what is this about? And when I started asking the young people in our church, they kind of snickered. He doesn't know. (laughs) An influencer is defined this way. Contrary to popular belief, the popular belief of some, an influencer is not somebody who spends all their time on social media taking selfies and trying to sound important, although that occupies, I think, a lot of people here, perhaps. Influencers have to genuinely influence the behavior of their followers. They build a reputation for their knowledge and expertise on a specific topic. They make regular posts about the topic on their preferred social media channels. And they generate large followings of enthusiastic, engaged people who pay close attention to their views. I read an article called The Top Ten Influencers. Uh, I'll introduce you to the number one influencer in the world in a few moments. Uh, He has 151 million followers. Number 10 has 62 million followers. Uh, And what these influencers do, among other things, is push products. 
They push uh, certain elements of lifestyle or entertainment, things like health uh, and beauty uh, and clothing lines. Uh, these influences, influencers uh, are signing multi-million dollar contracts uh, with, people, with corporations like Hugo Boss, uh, Nespresso, uh, Quest Nutrition, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, Turkish Airlines, uh, and Buick's Luxury Car Line. And this has literally transformed the advertising industry. You don't need a fancy, expensive ad campaign. All you need to do is get an influencer to push your product. Top influencers can get millions of eyes on your brand with a single post. But this comes with its own challenge. How do you get, this is what our major corporations are asking, uh, how do we get the attention of these influencers uh, because there's so much competition uh, uh, to trying to get these influencers to push product. I was quite surprised at this. This is why malls and, uh, as they say, brick-and-mortar stores are shutting down. About 71% of consumers uh, are likely to buy based on social media referrals, according to social media today. Another one said, when a lot of people say something, it's deemed true. If it's not a marketing pitch, sales advertisement, or out of out hustle by a brand, and if it comes from people just like you, it carries enough social proof that we can't even begin to weigh its value in gold. Now, of course, none of that is a new concept for us as Christians. As a matter of fact, this is a very biblical concept because influencers is what all of us are called to be. And if we are not doing that, we're going to desperately need this altar tonight. This is how the world gets changed. This is how churches are built. It's not just by the preacher, that's part of it. It's not just by the couples we send, uh, send. That's obviously a major part of it. But it's up to each and every single individual believer because God is going to want to know when you stand before him about the influence that you wielded for Jesus Christ during your time on earth. And the question I need to present to you tonight, how is it going in your world? I mean yours in particular where you traffic. We all have followers or should or potential ones, whether that's a pastor pioneering a church in the cities or the nations or the world, or it's the neighborhood where you live, the stores that you shop in, the family that you have, the extended various relationships that you have, people that you interact with or strangers you may meet. We're looking at Acts chapter 18. And I want to challenge you with a sermon I've simply entitled Influencer. And I want you to open your heart. Let's have as little movement as possible. If you're needed in the nursery, they'll notify you. Uh, I want you to really glom on to what I'm ministering tonight. Uh, and we're going to have a powerful Holy Ghost altar call this evening. Acts 18.1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because Paul was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. 
for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for great grace and great favor and great blessing and anointing. I pray your hand upon this service tonight. We pray for special anointing to minister and we thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We have a very well-organized, well-run nursery. And if you have children that should be in nursery, uh, you can take them. Uh, we don't want children making noise during the service here this evening. That distracts people from being able to focus uh, on the word of God. I want to talk to you, first of all, about the potential we have uh, for influence. The opportunity for influence is available to everyone. I don't care who you are. You could be a young teenager, a single mother, uh, struggling to make ends meet. Uh, you cannot have uh, uh, great social skills uh, uh, or, or, you know, an A-type personality. Uh, the ability uh, and the availability to wield influence uh, is held uh, by all of us. The word influence simply refers to the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. And I want you to consider the potential for you to have influence by looking at a couple of individuals this evening. The world of the influencer is an amazing world. A man by the name of Cabby Lame is the world's number one influencer. This is a picture of him. He is 23 years old. He's a Senegalese immigrant to Italy. In March of 2020, he was a recently laid off unemployed machine operator. And the pandemic hit. So he spent a lot of time on social media. And he started posting videos on TikTok showing him dancing and playing video games. I don't understand how this works, but it worked. <laughs> 13 months later, he became the second most followed personality on TikTok. Uh, one year later, the most followed uh, with 142 million followers. Uh, he just signed a multi-year deal with Hugo Boss uh, and others. Uh, he's worth $13 million today, uh, and he earns approximately $4 million a year just from his Hugo Boss uh, contract. The potential for a Senegalese immigrant. I thought, of course, of Pastor Mitchell, the founder of our fellowship. Under his oversight and wisdom and guidance, our fellowship was formed. And here we sit today in this incredible conference uh, with such a great people uh, that God has touched, uh, born uh, out of this one individual. Pastor Mitchell was born in 1929. This is a picture of him while he was a very young man. He had a very unique experience as a young boy for those days, and that is his parents divorced. 
He was sent by his father. His mother abandoned the family. He was sent by his father to live with an uncle and raised by him. And so Pastor Mitchell grew up very insecure. He had no confidence in social situations. And just to get away from the life he was living, he joined the army. He told me about a train uh, journey that he took uh, uh, to Big Springs where he went through basic training. Uh, and on the train, uh, they gave him vouchers. So as a soldier, as a military man, he could go to the uh, uh, food car and, and get his food with these vouchers. Uh, but he was so insecure uh, and so afraid to engage a stranger, uh, he made the entire trip uh, without ever going into the food car to get food. He just sat in his seat uh, and didn't engage anybody, didn't talk to anybody. Pastor Mitchell was destined as an ordinary, common individual. He was destined for mediocrity. He became an appliance salesman, an appliance repairman, rather. Married his wife, Nelda. They had a baby then, and that baby died. And then Pastor Mitchell, out of that tragedy, Pastor Mitchell got saved. Got radically saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, called to preach. His first 10 years in the ministry uh, were, was with minimal fruit, uh, but he yearned to see revival. Uh, he yearned to see people saved, uh, and he wanted to uh, uh, oversee a move of God, but it never clicked for the first 10 years uh, of his ministry. It was always burning, uh, and then he went to Prescott uh, in 1969 and 70, uh, and, uh, and that was in the height uh, of the Jesus Revolution. We're hearing a lot about that now with the new movie that has come out. Out, uh, the Jesus revolution, the Jesus people movement, uh, and he began to see powerful uh, conversions. Uh, men began to be called to preach. He trained them in the local church uh, and began to plant churches. Uh, and here we sit today. Uh, that man's influence, our Pastor Mitchell's influence, uh, who if you don't know has gone on to be with Jesus uh, as of uh, September of 2020, uh, uh, that man's influence has spawned a worldwide move of God uh, that has 3.5 thousand churches and more, and more will be planted this week uh, with his life and his salvation. Uh, He sent an incredible dimension of revival in motion. I thought about Freddie Lozano. There would be well over 100 people sitting here right now that were influenced by Freddie Lozano. Either you were one to Christ by him, prayed with you at the altar, brought you to church, witnessed to you out in the streets and brought you or followed up with you. He always took an interest in people and invested himself in people, stretching back to the early. That is Freddie, by the way. I didn't make a mistake. That's about, that was just before he got saved, but that's about what he looked like when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I was recently in Ghana. And we were sitting around with a number of pastors, and as we do sometimes, uh, I started talking about Freddie and this amazing individual who never, hardly ever came to church alone. He always had two or three or four people with him, uh, always concerned with people following up uh, and bringing people to church. Uh, And so I'm talking to these pastors in uh, Ghana about him, uh, and I was very animated about it, and that's how we get when we talk about uh, Freddie and his influence uh, as an influencer in this church. 
church. Uh, and so after I was finished talking, they asked me, uh, well, how, when did he pass away? And I said, well, he passed away on August 7th uh, of, nine, uh, of 2010. And they were shocked uh, because of how animated I was. They thought he just passed away last week. But that's how we think of this incredible influencer. This is a picture that was taken of Freddie uh, on the very last day of his life. He passed away and went to be with Jesus uh, at 5 o'clock on the afternoon uh, of this Saturday morning. Uh, he came to prayer meeting, uh, went on the outreach, uh, and there he is preaching uh, on the very last day of his life, uh, being the influencer that God called him to be. This reminded me of what is known as the butterfly effect. One small action, the conversion of one individual, one time when you tell somebody about Jesus and what that can set in motion. Monarch butterflies migrate from Canada to Mexico during the fall because they won't survive the winter in Canada. And there are millions and tens of millions of them and the butterfly effect is the fact that the flapping of their wings affects weather patterns as they're moving across the east coast and down through the south and then into Mexico. And it's used, that is now a term, the butterfly effect is used to describe the influence and the effect of little decisions that we make that set things in motion that affect destiny. One man gets saved in a nondescript church, small work in Phoenix, Arizona, and that man rises up from the altar and becomes one of the most incredible influencers in recent history, Pastor Mitchell. Pastor Harold Warner got saved under Pastor Mitchell's ministry early in the 1970s. Before he got saved, he ended up in the hospital using a dirty needle to shoot drugs. We can hardly fathom Pastor Warner like that, but that's what he was doing. He spent seven days in the hospital, got out of the hospital, and he had nowhere to go. And so he had heard that there was a house with a bunch of hippies living in it. And so he managed to get himself over there, find a place to sleep on the floor, and they let him stay there. And he started hearing about a, a young man named Hank Houghton who had lived there for a little while, but he lost his mind and started hanging around with a bunch of Christians. And so uh, uh, word got out that there was a band called Eden that was playing in a park and passed Warner figured it's a rock and roll concert. Uh, maybe I can get some drugs. Maybe I can, uh, uh, you know, uh, venture over there. So he goes and he listens to this band. And then he finds out they are playing in the armory, Pastor Mitchell. Uh, it was actually a, a, a band that Pastor Mitchell was utilizing. They had gotten saved and uh, they were singing about Jesus. Uh, and so Pastor Warner goes to a concert uh, at the armory uh, in Prescott, Arizona in 1970, uh, got saved, gave his life to Christ. Uh, and he was among the very first disciples in Prescott. Uh, he was the first church planted out. Uh, and then we know that 
that uh, as a result of, of uh, going out in the, that first church that we planted as a fellowship, uh, Pastor Warner was driving back to Prescott. Uh, things weren't working out the way he thought they would, and he wanted to talk to Pastor Mitchell, uh, and he got in an accident. His car tumbled over, landed on the roof, and he lost the use of his legs. He recovered a few months later in the wheelchair with his young wife, who he'd been married to for a little over a year, began to pioneer the church in Tucson, Arizona. When Pastor Warner was in the hospital, I talked to him today. I wanted to get some of the details. The first three months he was in the hospital, they focused on physical therapy, trying to help him get the use of as much of his body as he could use, even though he was paralyzed from the waist down. The last month was outpatient, and they did occupational therapy. And this leather belt that you're going to see is something that they had him make. I was visiting Pastor Warner's mother on Cape Cod uh, at the end of last week. And I remember Pastor Warner telling me that when he was in the hospital, they were trying to get him interested uh, uh, in something other than preaching. Uh, and so he made leather goods. Uh, and I mentioned that to Sister Warner. Uh, and after we left, she started looking through her stuff. Uh, Pastor Warner made that leather belt 50 years ago. And so while uh, uh, Pastor Warner was doing the occupational therapy... They gave him a very intensive psychological test to see, he's a young man, he's 21 years old, to see what he should be giving the rest of his life to. And he had already told him, I want to preach, I want to get into the ministry, I want to pastor a church. But the test results came back, and the test results were that they did not feel that Pastor Warner was cut out for the ministry. Oh, really? We have news for you. Pastor Warner told me this morning that two things never changed in his heart after the accident. One was his sense of God's presence in his life. Never got mad at God, never questioned God, God's presence uh, the whole time he's in the hospital and getting out of the hospital and adjusting uh, to life in a wheelchair. And the second thing he never lost sense of uh, was the burning desire to preach the gospel. And he says, I was young, I was naive, I never thought that I couldn't preach uh, while I'm sitting in that hospital without the use of my legs. Uh, one of the great influencers uh, of our fellowship uh, is Pastor Harold Warner. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you have chosen to make leather belts instead of preaching the gospel? Steve Jobs, when he was starting Apple, was trying to solicit John Scully. He was the CEO of Pepsi-Cola. And Steve Jobs knew that he was a very skillful and a very talented chief executive officer, and he wanted him. And John Scully was kind of hesitating. Steve Jobs was a little nutty, and, and it was a new industry, the computer industry, and he wasn't sure. And Steve Jobs famously said to him, John, do you want to spend the rest of your life making sugar water, or do you want to change the world? Do you want to spend the rest of your life making leather belts, or do you want to be an influencer for God? When you stand before God, what are you going to have to show for your life? 
You're going to hold up a leather belt or are you going to have souls to your account? And when I say leather belt, I mean those of you that are here that have sold your call of God to preach in order to pursue money or a career or some other thing in life. What are you going to do? Line up your cars on judgment day and say, Lord, look at my leather belt. Isn't it wonderful? Look at my nice house. And I'm not opposed to nice cars and nice houses. I'm only opposed to it as it pertains to whether you've sold out for that instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ or instead of, of, of giving large offerings in order to plant churches. We're going to be held accountable for what we did with what Jesus gave us. And I want to be known as someone that was an influencer for God. This is what we're seeing in our text. The Apostle Paul's destiny was proclaimed at the moment of his conversion. You are going to be an influencer, Paul. A sinner saved by grace, forgiven of his sins, transformed on the road to Damascus. Paul cried out. He didn't know what was happening. He's trembling. A bright light knocks him to his feet. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The butterfly wings are flapping. This nondescript conversion happening on the road to Damascus becomes an event that changed the entire world. God took a man named Ananias, sent him to where the apostle Paul was in the city. And, and the Lord said to him, I want you to go and I want you to speak to Saul of Tarsus who became the apostle Paul, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And then his ministry as an influencer began immediately. The Bible says in Acts 9, same chapter where he got saved, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. Our text is another day in the life of the Apostle Paul. It was his and it must become our obsession to be influencers for Jesus Christ. In our text it says that he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Remember, he's working a job with Aquila and Priscilla. They're tent makers, uh, and apparently he's quite busy and quite occupied with that, but he sliced out some time, uh, enough time, uh, to go to the synagogue on Sunday when people were gathered together, both Gentiles uh, and Jews, uh, and begin to work at persuading and convincing uh, and being an influencer for Jesus Christ. The world is going to be reached by Holy Ghost influencers. And the question is, are you going to be that? So let's look secondly at the driving force. The internet is a powerful dimension. I don't grasp it all. I don't understand it. I don't live in that world. I use my computer for uh, reading, for research, for putting sermons together. The potential to influence through social media is, is enormous. It takes you places and puts you in front of people that you could never go and you would never meet in normal circumstances. The internet gives access to information. In my world of a preacher, it's very helpful. It's an instrument, it can be an instrument to earn money. 
as many people have discovered, and as is our subject, it's an opportunity to wield influence. The internet has become a powerful driving force in the world for influence. And I, I just got to drop this in, I'm sorry. All those of you that are obsessed with posting your life's garbage on your social media, have you ever put a scripture up and a word to encourage anyone? Have you ever? Have you ever, from your devotional Bible reading, if you even have time for that, with all the hours we spend on social media, have you ever read something in the Bible? I've got to get this out there. you got a revelation, and you're excited about that instead of excitement about some new dress or handbag or some place you're at. Just a thought. I don't have that in my notes, by the way. But I was a little surprised, at least from a worldwide uh, way, I was a little surprised that the internet is not as pervasive as you might think. There are currently about 4.6 billion active internet users in the world out of nearly 8 billion or a little over 8 billion people. The estimated global penetration of the internet is 59%. That's a little lower than I would have thought. It re represents an incredible power. But do you know that Holy Ghost filled believers in Jesus Christ have the ability to reach every single human being on earth uh, if we'll answer the call of God and do what we're called to do? We have a power source. Can you say amen? We have access to a supernatural dimension. The power of the Holy Spirit is what drives the influence of the church. And it takes our finite ability into a dimension way beyond ourselves. Our ability is finite. It may be extraordinary. People have amazing talent, uh, as our musicians uh, uh, express uh, uh, quite often. Uh, people have artistic ability. They have uh, intellectual capacity. Uh, they have unusual giftings and ability. Uh, and all of that is uh, uh, well and good. But we function uh, within the boundaries of natural law. We need a dimension that will take us beyond the boundaries uh, of natural law. That's the realm that most people function in. They will go as far as their natural ability will and can take them. They can be, and that can be quite extensive, as I said. People have incredible ability in business, in, in uh, creating wealth and handling money. They build huge, enormous businesses worth millions and billions of dollars. And the ingenuity of man has come up with all the modern transportation that we take a lot of it for granted, the automobile, the airplane, and all the things that we have. That all happens within the boundaries of natural law and human ability, but the Holy Spirit will take us way beyond the boundaries and the limits of your own natural ability. The Bible is a book of human ability on display. Nothing wrong with it. I want you to use your natural gifts and your natural talents. In Exodus, it speaks about individuals that God has filled with the Spirit of the Lord in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. 
in designing artistic works uh, to work in gold and silver and bronze, uh, in cutting jewels for setting, uh, in carving wood, uh, and to work all manner of artistic workmanship. And we all marvel uh, at the talent and the skill uh, and the ability uh, that a lot of people have. Uh, but it's natural ability. It's gifting. Uh, it, it functions uh, in the realm of natural law. And we marvel at that. We appreciate that. We pay money to see it. But when it comes to the church, none of that is going to be sufficient. It's not going to be enough. We have to enter into and operate in a dimension outside the boundaries of natural and human ability. And the driving force of the kingdom of God on earth is the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater power than a Holy Ghost-filled believers believer who sets themselves to be an influencer for Jesus Christ. Because it's not just your words functioning uh, on a normal dimension to convince someone. Uh, it's words anointed of the Holy Ghost uh, that will pierce an individual with conviction uh, and make them want to give their lives to Christ uh, and get saved. We need a dimension operating uh, through us and in us and all around us uh, that is beyond natural ability. The supernatural, beloved, has to become the norm. Everything that we do energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power, Jesus said to his disciples. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I think a lot of us don't factor that in. We try to be a witness without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. We try to live our lives on a natural, finite, natural law realm, and we don't think in terms uh, that God can intervene, the power of the Holy Spirit can intervene, uh, and touch what you touch, and turn it to gold, uh, and multiply, and bless, and bear much fruit. Uh, you can be a powerful soul winner. There's nothing to keep you from that. As a matter of fact, uh, there is no excuse, uh, and there is no reason uh, on earth uh, for us all not to be powerful, uh, convicting producing influencers for Jesus Christ. We have to have a dimension of power beyond ourselves. That has to be the driving force of our influence. And as I said, it must become the norm. This is the record of the church in the book of Acts. The first manifestation is found in Acts chapter 2. We're familiar with it. Jesus said, don't go. Don't go anywhere. You meet in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Then I'll turn you loose after that to wield influence. No influence, no, no lasting influence without the power of the Holy Spirit. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'm looking to hear that sound this week. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's not minimize that historic event. But let's see that historic event repeated at every altar call this week. In our prayer meeting. Oh God fill us afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let that fire, let that wind move through this assembly, sweep across this altar, enter into our prayer meeting all this week. 
The second manifestation was that Peter preached with effect, with power, and with anointing. In Acts chapter 2, and with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted him, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. In that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. Think about that. 3,000 people could hear Peter preaching the gospel. And 3,000 of them fell under conviction. There had to be a dimension working to hold people's attention, to lay hold of their hearts, to hang on the words that Peter was preaching. And they fell under conviction. Remember, they had just crucified Jesus and he had risen from the dead and that had happened many days previous and the whole city of Jerusalem was abuzz with Jesus and the disciples and what this all meant. And when he began to preach, I don't believe it was natural ability. It's not just a man standing and talking in front of a crowd, but the Holy Ghost got involved and 3,000 individual people. There were mothers there. There were husbands and fathers and young people all fell under conviction and all gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That had never happened to Peter before. The third manifestation was healing. Chapter three of the book of Acts. They're going into the temple to pray. They come upon a lame man. He asked for alms. Peter turned to him and said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they pulled him up and he stood up and he began to leap and he began to dance and he ran into the temple demonstrating to everyone the miracle power of healing. This has to become the norm if we're going to be the influencers that God called us to be. We can't function on a natural realm with our finite ability we need a dimension of God to go before us the acts of the apostles should be referred to as the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles the book of Acts is a record of the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit that became the norm. Acts chapter 2, fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done. Acts 5, a multitude gathered from the surrounding city bringing sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. And Acts 6, 8, and Stephen full of faith and power did great signs and wonders among the people. The power of the Holy Ghost was the norm. They were known as those who could bring about healing. When Peter was walking down the street, people would try to just get in a place where his shadow would pass by them so they could be healed. The apostle Paul prayed over handkerchiefs, gave them to individuals and said, take it to your sick neighbor or your sick family member, lay it on them and pray. And people were getting healed because the power of the Holy Spirit was loosed in the church and it became the norm. And it needs to become the norm in each and every one of your lives. So let's talk about the action that we have to take. Being an influencer is not a passive activity. It doesn't just happen. I think too many of us live our lives passively. We're going about our business, we get our children up, we get them ready, we get them to school or we homeschool them, we make food, we go shopping, we go here and there and we're busy, we're occupied, we got a lot of things going on. 
And in the midst of all that, well, if God does something or if he wants me to witness to somebody, let them uh, uh, parachute right in front of me and then maybe I'll witness to them. Too many believers live their lives passively, hoping something will happen. Well, how about making something happen? By getting filled with the Holy Ghost every time you wake up in the morning. Influencers make things happen. In verse 4 of our text, uh, and Paul reasoned in the synagogue, he went there for the purpose of, of being an influencer. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And then in some of the last days of his life, when he's a prisoner in Rome, in Acts chapter 28, 23, so when they had appointed Paul a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. This man was obsessed with trying to influence, trying to minister the gospel in a way that would make people want to get saved. And he's not just depending on reason and logic and argument and apologetics. He knows he needs the power of the Holy Ghost to bring conviction to people's lives. And the Bible finally says in Acts 28, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So we need to make some decisions at this altar tonight. This has to become the norm. Every once in a while, back to my previous subject, every once in a while, Someone will make me aware of what someone is posting. I get some of it. I don't look myself. I never have. But have you seen this, Pastor? Kissy face. Latest item you bought. Don't you understand? You have such an incredible potential for influence. Instead of being hooked on getting a like from some person who happens to be interested in whatever it is you're posting, how about trying to reach someone in some way? Every Sabbath, persuading, teaching, ministering, convincing. So what this means, beloved, we have to figure out the action that we can take. Influencers affect the world through the internet. They get up in the morning and they go after it. They take action. They're trying to persuade and they're trying to influence and they're trying to build up their numbers of followers. It's not passive. It doesn't just happen accidentally. You have to set it in motion. What are you doing to be an influencer for Jesus Christ? your witness, your testimony, your experience with Jesus, 
You have such rich treasures in your possession, your testimony, the knowledge of God that's been planted in your heart and life. And we don't do this 24-7. All I'm asking is to be available in the busyness of life wherever you go, whatever you do. As members of a great congregation like this, all of us have the ability to individually wield influence wherever we go and collectively wield influence through outreach and evangelism. How about going on an outreach? Witnessing when opportunity presents itself. Helping someone who you know may be struggling. A word of encouragement, show compassion and empathy for someone who may be dealing with a tragedy or a loss. Your life can be a powerful catalyst for influence. And of course, that's what this conference is about. For some of you here, your sphere of influence is the cities and the nations of the world. In order for you to be the influencer that God has called you to be, you have to go. You know, something's become very common in our fellowship now. And that is men who claim to be called, but they aren't doing anything to advance that calling. My assertion, and you've heard me preach this before, if you feel like you're called, you know you're called, then you must get yourself ready to get sent out at the soonest possible opportunity. Get your house in order. Get your finances, your family, your relationships, your credibility with the brethren. Get all of that in order so that you can get sent out at the soonest possible opportunity. Because I wouldn't want to show up on Judgment Day with a leather belt. Because you didn't fulfill the call of God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Alvin Smith went to Sierra Leone in 1989. Knew nobody. Pastor Warner didn't even know where Sierra Leone was on the map. He had to look. Alvin went there sight unseen. In the early days of his time there, he met Edward Safa, who became the first disciple in the church. Some years later, Alvin left. Edward took over the church. Since then, Edward has planted over 120 churches throughout Sierra Leone and in six or seven different nations of the world. This is what I'm talking about. You have the potential uh, to literally affect a nation. What nation do you want to go to? Come and talk to me about it. For others of us, we are going to be influencers uh, by sending. Your money is going to be utilized as a sending mechanism to get workers planted in the nations of the world. This is the most exciting and dominant feature of our conference, the anticipation and the buildup to Thursday and Friday night and the couples we're going to call up here and announce that so-and-so is going to such-and-such a city in such-and-such a nation. But in order to influence, if you're a sender... You've got to have your financial house in order. We should be preparing uh, way before conference ever starts uh, to drop uh, serious money into the offering plate. That's going to bear eternal fruit. Every offering you give uh, far outweighs any leather belt that you can present on Judgment Day. Consider the price that Jesus paid to be the greatest influencer of all. 
yeah, there's a price to pay. Couples, wives that may be nervous about moving to another nation or in a third world atmosphere. There is a price to pay. There is a cost to sit here in this conference. We can't just treat our lives and the responsibility we have with the resources God has given us. We can't just treat this as business as usual. We have to consider what price are we going to be willing to pay. Look at the influence that Jesus Christ has. You've heard the poem. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book, never held an office, never went to college, never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial, falsely accused. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves while dying. His executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. You our one solitary life. We are not thinking we can influence to the degree that Jesus did. But look at Pastor Mitchell. Well, I'm not called to preach. Okay, then look at Freddie Lozano. Look at other individuals here who make an effort to wield influence for Jesus. That's all I'm asking tonight. Let's be the influencers that God has called us to be and let's settle that at this altar right now. I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody moving around for a moment. There's a wonderful grace of God here all night long through our worship, through Pastor Ruby's offering, and I appreciated his offering because it really dovetailed into the sermon that I'm preaching tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe tonight you've come. Somebody influence you to come to church. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. 
This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.